You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where each and every week I'm joined by my lovely wife, Pam. Glad to be here. Who we help try to answer what's on the nation's mind or go into topics that we believe and have been informed by members of the nation too, that it's worth exploring. And that would be the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation, That right? would be Everyone the nation. Yeah, the SMR Nation. If you are a listener of the show right now or at any point in the past or in the future, you're a member of the nation. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the nation. And the way you can let us know what's going on with you is give us a call 214-702-9565. Or email us at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Add your voice to the dialogue that happens each and every week. Because when more voices are added to this conversations, everybody just is better. Mm-hmm. Because we've always wanted the feedback and the input and the questions. And even the, hey, I think you missed that one. Mm-hmm. What I'll about this? Because that makes us better as those behind the microphone. Yeah. And we also ask the nation to help us spread the word. You can do that it's just by jumping on iTunes, rate and review, leave a comment, uh, subscribe and follow whichever means you listen to Spotify, iHeart, Amazon. I mean, there's a lot, anywhere you can follow us on there. On there, uh, help us climb the charts and spread the word that married sex is the hotbed for sex. Well, coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio, um, this is kind of fun because last week. We did an encore presentation mm-hmm, with, Lori uh, Mintz. with Lori Mintz focusing on clitoracy, so it was kind of female-focused. Well, this week we're going to go male-focused a little more with a guest that was on with me, Dr. Carol Hooven. She has published a book that's called T, The Story of Testosterone, the Hormone That Dominates and Divides Us. Mm-hmm. And it's a fabulous conversation. She's a Harvard lecturer. And it was a fun conversation just talking about how she got into this topic and mm-hmm. what it means. And then on the extended content today, which is deeper, longer, and there are no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com forward slash smracademy. Um, she and I get into a conversation of it that's a little more personal on what is what did she learn and how this the her study of the world of testosterone and how it plays out, how it's impacted her marriage. But then this was what was even more enjoyable for me. And it, maybe it was just me. I hope I think the audience will like, like it too. But she turned the tables and started asking me questions about, okay, so hold on. My husband and I, and they, she just kind of turned it into a little bitty mini, I'm going to get some help from a therapist kind of time. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. And so all that's coming up on today's show. So joining me today for today's episode of Sex and Marriage Radio is Dr. Carol Hooven. That she is a professor at Harvard. You actually work in the Department of Human Evolutionary Biology. Am I correct in that, Carol? That's right. I'm and actually a lecturer, just to clarify. A lecturer, perfect. Hierarchy is important at Harvard. It, so <laughs> hierarchy is important everywhere, as your book <laughs> talks about. Um, so she has a book called T: The Story of Testosterone, the Hormone That Dominates and Divides Us. And I am fascinated by this topic, Carol. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And I have really been looking forward to talking with you because while well, you think testosterone and marriage are important, I do too. And I've been thinking more and more about my marriage. So and how that relates to 
you know, yeah. differences between men and women. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to be able to talk about it in more depth and maybe learn something uh, in the process. Well, so perfect. Well, let's dive right in. So because th- with this topic of testosterone, this is one of those things that's uh, interesting. Uh, it's so much more prominent than maybe what society wants to think it is or talk about. And your work seems to uncover. Um, yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, it is. So, so how did you get into this? I guess. (laughs) Yes. Well, how did how did you get into this actually? Just real quick. So, it's you know you're coming at it. Your interest is in relationships, right? And Mm -hmm. in male female, primarily male Mm -hmm. female relationships, but also I assume other kinds of relationships. And no matter what kind of relationship you're in, it helps to understand people who are different from you and maybe different from birth. Even I'm going to say it different in their genes. And that means when it comes to male and female, different in hormone levels, which impact who we are and how we experience the world and how we grow and how others treat us and what our drives are and how we express ourselves. And so, you know, you're interested in relationships. I've always been interested in people and what makes people tick. And since I spent time out in Uganda following wild chimpanzees around uh, before I went to Harvard for my PhD, that is the moment when I really became interested in the biology of sex differences and what makes males and females different. Because the chimps in so many ways paralleled human sex differences in terms of Mm -hmm. obsession with hierarchy, and higher levels of aggression and even some aspects of sexual behavior and uh, relationships. And we don't have any shared culture. So for me, that really got me interested in what is the biological source of these differences. If it's not, you know, these basic aspects of sex differences have to be coming from some shared biology. And I think that ultimately is uh, testosterone. And of course, culture plays into that and reinforces the differences that are there. And we're very, you know, have a very gendered culture. So I acknowledge all of that. And that's really right. important. But that's how I came to my uh, interest It's just basically understanding people who aren't like me in some really important ways. No, and I like that. And I like how you're distinguishing because the, the phrase I've come across uh, in the past couple of years that I think matters with what you're describing is you know, something isn't everything, but everything is something, right? Yes. And, <laughs> and so a little bit, but no, yeah. it, but it's, but it is that idea of there's not a, here's the causality that it's That's not right. just, it's not testosterone. It's not culture. It's not, it's not binary, right? It's, yep. it's, a, it's all, it's a system. And so there's right. so many different factors that are in play, but just, just so that everybody's kind of up to date, because I'm, I was learning a lot, just getting prepared to talk to you. And yeah. that's why I'm really looking forward to the conversation today is so when, when you're just talking about just this whole idea of testosterone, what, where does it come from? How does it evolve? What, you know, let's kind of just so we're all on the same page. And then I would, I'd love to get deeper into what is it that makes men, men, women, women relationships, dynamics that they are. And we'll go from there. Okay. Since you asked me a question, that's like my entire book, you're going to have to <laughs> stop me at some point and I'll just, you know, try to make it as concise Perfect. as possible. So there's two ways to look at it. Why do we have differences in hormones? Why do uh, males and females have different hormones? And then where does it come from and what does it do? Okay. So just really quick, if you look around the animal kingdom, you know, if you, I'm, I like birds, I was just out this morning watching birds, the males look different 
and behave differently than mm-hmm. the females. And it is testosterone differences that are ultimately responsible for the fact that they may um, be bigger or have much brighter coloration because that's a way that they compete against each other okay. for territory, which humans also do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason they compete for territory is because better territory means more or quote, better females, which just means more able to get pregnant basically. Mm-hmm. So in the breeding season, testosterone goes up, sperm production goes up because females are fertile. Right. And it coordinates the sperm production with the competitive um, coloration and behavior. So that's kind of simple, but that is what it does, something like that in humans. So all these different animals have either like mammals have testosterone and other kinds of animals have some means they tend to have to compete for females on average. Right. So there's tons of variation. So males have on average a sort of evolutionary, uh, I don't want to say programming, but bias towards competition for mates in a way that females don't. Right. Males can benefit from competition, but it tends not to be this intense mating competition. It would tend to be for like nesting sites or really good food or really good place to live or something like that. And hierarchy too matters, but testosterone coordinates all these traits so that males are more motivated to kind of ascend a status hierarchy. They have higher libidos on average. They tend to want more sexual partners and that can sometimes be a tension in marriage, obviously, and in relationships. Um, And testosterone, the one really interesting thing that people tend not to appreciate is that it's really high, almost at pubertal levels in male fetuses. So I have a a 13 year old boy. So when I, he was growing inside of me, he's, his little testes were pumping out very high levels of testosterone and males need that to develop their reproductive system, to grow basically a penis. And, um, you know, females have some, you know, labia, but males, the structure that gives rise to labia is the same structure that gives rise to the scrotum. And that's testosterone that sort of develops all of that internal and external stuff. It also acts on the brain, which is why little boys are different in behavior in these really basic ways all over the world from little girls that we also share with non-human animals. That's testosterone. That's rough and tumble play, tackling each other, pinning each other to the ground. Two girls tend not to do that. That's just not how they want to play social reinforcement or not. Like it's just not, there's no evidence that that is, those differences are caused by social influences. They may be, um, sort of reinforced socially, but, uh, that, so that's all testosterone. Let's like practice for aggressive status competition. Right. And then you have testosterone in puberty, of course, that just elaborates all that stuff (laughs) and jacks up the libido, like through the roof in a way that can be overwhelming to, uh, teenage boys and girls Mm -hmm. need to know what the heck is going on there because that's when they're learning about Mm -hmm. the opposite sex, primarily in a sexual uh, environment. And I think we really need to understand how different, um, the sexes are at that point and give voice to, to the challenges yeah. that sex faces and not stigmatize or judge anybody for who they are actions for sure. 
but feelings we have to really um, be patient and with and open to, I think. Yeah. I mean, you, you've, you've touched on this and we were talking on this right before we started the recording today of, you know, both having uh, adolescent boys in our homes. Right. Um, there's my wife came across an article that was given to her from a friend years ago about, we talk about kids cause we've always had this, this strategy with our kids. If we're going to talk about some of the basic biology as you evolve and you grow, and we're going to talk about the, the parts and have conversations. I mean, in the Allen household, dinner table conversations can have sex as a part of the topic. Yep, sounds like our dinner table. Shocking. Cause we do a show called sexy marriage radio. Right. I know, but, um, so Pam, we all could use a little help in the bedroom from time to time. Agreed. I agreed. And sure. even a little help outside of the bedroom from time to time to time when it comes to what happens in the bedroom. Okay. Yes. So, where are you going? I'm not this? talking about a little blue pill and I'm not talking about lube or toys. I'm talking about the adventure challenge in bed edition book, who ah, is one of our sponsors. Gotcha. And this is a book full of 50 romantic ideas for you and your spouse to do together to really spice up your intimacy in and out of the bedroom. So here's the way this works, Pam, in okay. case you're unfamiliar with the adventure challenge books, which I know you're not, mm-hmm. you pick a challenge together you scratch it off, you follow the instructions for an experience that we promise will be something that you've likely never done before. I know that you're probably thinking, well, this is just some Kama Sutra or some sex toy thing, but don't worry. The in bed book is all about connecting and enjoying each other even ever more deeply. And Pam and I both guarantee that you and your spouse are going to love it. The adventure challenge in bed edition puts the play back into foreplay. We love this book and this challenge and we think you will too. Go to theadventurechallenge.com, use our code SMR20, and you get 20% off the book, which is a steal. This book helps you connect emotionally and physically. So let's face it, because connected connected sex equals better sex. I always have trouble with that connected sex word. But connected sex equals better sex. (laughs) And it is good. Go to theadventurechallenge.com, use our code SMR20, and get 20% off. Today's podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. And this is particularly true in 2022, now that we're two years into a pandemic. Symptoms can often include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more. We can often associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Life can get oppressive and struggling. Parenting is endless and one thing after another, and any of our roles can lead us to a life that feels burned out. But BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing all the stress in your life, and they can help you provide solutions. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 24 hours. Sexy Marriage Radio listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash SMR. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash SMR. And yes, this is one therapist still recommending other therapists because finding a good fit matters and makes the relationship all the better. Go to betterhelp.com slash SMR. But we all, one thing we haven't done or we didn't do until she got this article was recognize we need to start talking about the mental and the emotional component that comes along with these changes because yeah. he does, my, our son at times, 
he's got no clue what's going on and what he feels and why he just knows he feels different and he's off and it's weird. And it's, and so it's just, how do we help give him voice and a language to it? That's kind of what you're describing because it will change him. He won't evolve like our daughter did. He will in a lot of ways, but not a lot of the ways too. So it's just, how do you create uniqueness of, of this, but have a language that helps people understand as a society and as families, more importantly, wait, this is a biological thing. This is a normal aspect of men, boys becoming men, women becoming women, interrelating with each other. And the more we can give room for that without overreacting and trying to make it all same, I think the better society is. I love what you're saying. And I love how you put it because when people think that say teenage boy interests or behavior or masculinity itself is socially programmed, that it's people are performing masculinity. I hear this all the time. I think that makes it acceptable to call it toxic because (laughs) if society's doing it, then we can undo this toxic performance. And I think that's all garbage. Absolutely. Bothers me. And because it makes those teenage boys feel some shame. Yeah. Uh, this is where I get, this is where I always, I get, um, this is really upsetting to me because I don't want anyone to feel shame about who they are and how yeah. they've sort of been put on this planet. And boys are different from girls. And like you said, it's a biological fact. That doesn't mean that like all actions that boys take that might be harmful or insulting to girls say are okay, but it means they do have those feelings. It's beautiful to become a man. Let's celebrate that just like we celebrate becoming a woman, you know, Mm -hmm. that's totally equivalent to me. Becoming a fully sexual being is like a beautiful thing for people to discover. And I think that's how we should talk about it. We should talk about the power of that libido and how it might um, be difficult to manage because girls don't have the same kind of libido and same, the sexual attraction is not of the same nature. Right. And I just want to say that part of, um, what I've learned in writing the book and talking to lots of transgender people who have lived as women and then taken male typical levels of testosterone and started living as men. Mm -hmm. And then some of them transitioned back because they weren't happy necessarily with their transition. You know, most are happy, but some are not. They have unanimously told me, and this is confirmed by the research. And I should say there's a lot of variation. This isn't everyone's experience, right? but what they've told me is not only does their libido go basically through the roof, but they are shocked by it. So these are female people who are transitioning they have lived as women and most of them, many of them, um, a lot of them are, or were, sorry, were lesbians who in particular did not like the male gaze. And when they took testosterone, they had a male gaze. They started viewing the other, it could have been uh, women or men, you know, it depends sometimes sexual orientation changes, which is kind of interesting, but they became more interested in body parts and the body almost as disassociated from a relationship or the personality of (laughs) the individual. And when I heard that women saying this to me, I found that to be the most powerful insight into 
male sexuality. Like, right. oh my God, they're not being jerks necessarily. It's, I mean, they, if they act well, on they, it- They can be. I mean, yeah, there's there's, there's and variations And if they look at the here. wrong part of your body for too long, that's jerky. Yes. However, this seems to be a natural part of male sexuality is in fact to objectify to a certain extent. And as long as males don't feel shame about it, can recognize it, understand it and say, this is happening and it's okay. And here's, I'm going to talk to my dad maybe about, or some, you know, male role model. How do I deal with this? When I have this feeling about a woman, how do I learn to interact with who she is and pay attention to that? when I know I'm really drawn to this, you know, physicality. Right. And that's something that you have to open up a dialogue. Absolutely. So that there's no shame there. And there can be discussions like, yeah, that's happening. It's okay. How, and here's what it means and how to. And I think that's also where you add in some of the other work that you, some of the other stuff you've got in the book that I've heard you talk about is the idea of the other aspect of masculinity um, that, that is our components that aren't sexual. They're just the, they're the, they're the go out and create and build and, you know, conquer, you know, and protect. absolutely. There you go. And and so it's, I I think that's the one thing I keep coming across with the work we do uh, with couples is just recognizing the uniqueness of your design that yes, you can take an aspect of this story, right? You could take the male gaze within the libido and see that as, oh, that is so, so bad. But if you cover the rest of it with the with the goodness of masculinity and the power and the goodness of them and who they can be, that's just a smaller aspect. That's not then deviant. That's- okay. Well, if I may say, because the women who are listening to you okay. are not going to think it's a smaller aspect. Fair enough. So for you, for thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Because this is two different sides, two different genders yeah, no, talking about so, this too. You know, I think for a lot of women, it's tough because you want to be attractive. A lot of women want men to look at them. You know, they, they want that yeah. to, to go through the world as it, uh, to be attractive as possible, but you got to figure out how not to be you can't go too attractive far. in a way. I mean, it depends who you want to be and how you want to define yourself, but generally um, and it depends on your sexual orientation also, of course, but that's something that a lot of women do strive for, but you don't want to take it too far. You don't want unwelcome yeah. attention. You Absolutely. don't want to be felt to be objectified or sexually harassed or touched in a way that makes you uncomfortable or sexually assaulted. Absolutely. So, yeah. So for women, I think, especially women who are very down on men, that part of masculinity is, is like 99% of the problem. Okay or percent of it. Okay. But I think what we do need to do is realize that women, we have our own issues. We're not perfect beings either. We can be brutal to each other, which is in ways that are incredibly psychologically harmful, as Mm -hmm. you probably know, as a therapist Mm -hmm. in ways that men tend not to be to each other. If a guy has a problem with another guy, he's likely to get in his face and say so, or do something physical, but at least it's tends to be resolved. There may Mm -hmm. be a little shift in the hierarchy. People get along. Women tend to have a lot of trouble resolving conflicts and they can, they don't tend to confront each other directly. I think women have to acknowledge that there's, it's not, I don't want to call it toxic femininity, 
Right. Sorry. I also think women need to realize they could have been born male and nobody should feel superior to anybody else. And (laughs) this has helped me in my marriage, honestly, because I do think that there's this idea that women are morally superior because we approach, we are softer. We do have more empathy. That is a, a fact in general. Men are in fact more physically heroic. They're more likely to, you know, risk their lives for strangers, um, in a way that women don't, but, uh, yeah, I could have been born male. So, and I don't think I'd be any different than most of the men that I know. I know a lot of great guys, but they're still guys and they still have that guyish, you know, aspect to them or whatever <laughs> right. that can be bothersome, but I'm bothersome to my husband and to men, I'm sure in ways that have to do with me just being a woman and being like super emotional or whatever it is. Right. No. And, and I, th- I think that's, what's so fascinating is just to think about it when you take, when you take some of this stuff that is just, um, it's just biology. I mean, that's kind of your, your world is this of the evolutionary yes. biology. Right. And, and I love the correlation between what's what's going on in species as well as humans because there are so many semblances that we can at least take that data and ask better questions get some understanding possibly make me oh i wonder if and then who knows where that leads us to because we're learning different things from it but it's recognizing that when you put that together in a relationship of one of each kind of these species if you will or genders when when it comes to uh humans it's it's a it's a recipe automatically for we're not going to understand each other. <laughs> yeah, can I just interject something because you're talking about animals? So it's really rare among mammals to have pair bonds and to have both right. male and female care for the offspring. That's five percent of mammals. So males generally are donating sperm and then taking off. Yep, and the females are doing the uh, parental care. So you don't have this great need to work together and understand each other. You know, we're doing something really exceptional Mm -hmm. in humans, absolutely. uh, especially in the complex society we live in and we have all this language right? and it gets more and more sophisticated all the time. And that's where I think that's a great benefit, but it can also pose all kinds of interesting challenges. Absolutely. And so before we wrap up just this segment, I'm, I'm interested, Carol, when, when you're talking about just the overall of your work and then this book, um, what, what would be some of the primary you hope people would get from it? Of just if, if you were to wrap it up on the idea of testosterone does, and it's, and it's important that we know this. Yeah. So I would say, so you talked about understanding basically humans in a comparative perspective. That's what a biologist would say. I look at humans as animals because we are, uh, we are in fact primates and we're a weird ape. I know people like freak out about that, but, but that's, you know, an evolutionary biologist, primatologist, uh, perspective. We have biparental care of our offspring which means that we have to, if we want our offspring to do really well, it helps to form strong bonds with the other parent. And, but what, so we have this, so that's like the positive part. We have this need to come together and work together. And in fact, I just have to throw out in these species where both parents work together, like in birds, in many uh, birds, because I'm watching the birds outside in my 
yard right now. We have a nest and it's, um, uh, anyway, we have a cardinal nest and a house wren to both nesting. The male is going back and forth all day long with worms and, and insects. And I can watch him right. go back and forth, back and forth. He's working so hard. And the mom is there mostly taking care of the kids sitting on the nest and they're working in this really intense way. His testosterone is reduced. He has to have it suppressed or the kids will die of neglect because he's out looking for uh, fighting with the neighbors and looking for sex, basically. <laughs> so testosterone, that is like right. what right. testosterone does when the sperm is made in humans in puberty. That is a signal to the brain that competition and libido need to be jacked up. Okay. And that's basically what testosterone is doing in a way, because that fits and suits what males need to do to be reproductively successful. Okay. So testosterone increases sperm production and it coordinates it with the behaviors that are necessary for males to produce, which in today's world means to some degree, having a little more sort of striving for position on the hierarchy, acquiring resources, which now we don't do, you know, through physical competition and through desiring a higher number of sexual partners, which helps to explain why pornography is so much more popular among men than it is among women. You don't have to go out and have the actual partner. And right. uh, so that's basically what it does. And when you understand what it does, I give some examples in the book, like I traveled to Scotland to study um, red deer and look at how the males with their testosterone induced antlers, you know, compete for their harems. Mm -hmm. Like you just really get a good idea of what it's doing in animals. And you can start to see humans who are kind of yeah. subject to the same forces and how society then is going to can make a difference. Yeah. You know, it, it depends what we do and well, what we and, allow. And I think it also then comes down to the, the individual people involved because as humans and as primates, we are evolved further with the prefrontal cortex and, and the ability to make meaning out of things and the ability to as, as, ascribe things to our behaviors and our and choices. And to reflect on our actions, right? Absolutely. So that our actions, right. I think that if I can look at it as like our whole conversation in my mind, I'm just thinking of, okay, these are just good data points for me to then build on. That's right. To now be a better male or be a better female or just be a better human. I mean, come on. Yeah, we that's all what it's be all about is just understanding yourself and understanding yeah. others. And when you understand, I do think that helps us become more open and compassionate, have more uh, data, like you said, to guide our decisions about how we behave. Perfect. Well, Carol, tell, I'd love for people to be able to find more of you and, and be able to get the book if they're interested in diving deep into the world of tea. So how can they, how can they find you? So I don't have a huge social media presence, but I am on Twitter, which I'm getting more and more, uh, I don't want to say addicted to, but interested in. Um, <laughs> and I'm at Hoovlet, H-O-O-V-L-E-T. And uh, yeah, the book is T, the story of testosterone, the hormone that dominates and divides us. And I tried to write it in a way pretty much like I'm talking to you right now. Yeah, that's perfect. And then you can find that like Amazon, anywhere books are sold. Uh, so. Yeah, that's right. Well, Carol, thank you so much. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the conversation after the, after the jump into the extended content of how this whole work and how it's played out and you've seen it in your marriage. So great. Um, thanks so much so far. 
Thank you. So once again, it's so enjoyable to keep coming across all the different voices that are out there mm-hmm. uh, that are just helping people be better people and helping marriages be better. Yep. Yeah. And and what's interesting in this, I, I didn't say this at the outset, so if, if somebody's listened all the way through, um, this is one of those episodes that we might get some feedback from. See, feedback, sexymarriageradio.com or mm-hmm. 214-702-9565. Because again, Carol's a researcher. Mm-hmm. And so her data is applicable to a lot of avenues. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things she's mentioned in the show, they're not going to be in line with some of our thread that we've had okay on just the way she's used the data with the research and the people she's Mm -hmm. interviewed you know with transgendered or Mm -hmm. that's that's the world we live within though Mm -hmm. and so i love the fact that we still can take good research and take good data and apply it which is what i hope this the whole journey into the world of tea Mm -hmm. helps everybody understand Um, how we can utilize the aspects of who we are and what makes us all quintessentially unique Mm -hmm. to just be better in our situation and circumstances. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. If we left something undone, let us know. 214-702-9565 or feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. See you next time.